If you are a mother, if you have a mother, or if you had a mother, I invite you to stand. That should be all of us, to stand and honor God's Word. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Galatians, beginning in chapter 5 and verse 13. I invite you to follow along with me. And while you're looking for that in your Bibles, I want to give you a little bit of a context. Paul wrote the letters to the various churches that he had been part of planting to do three things, to teach them, to encourage them, and sometimes even to admonish them. And so in this particular letter and even in these passages, you can get a sense of some of that beginning in verse 13 of chapter 5. Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then going forward to verse 9 in chapter 6. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, good morning, church. It is good to be back with you. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here this morning. If you were invited to worship this morning and someone told you that you would come to Central Prez and that you would get to hear Dr. Randy Jenkins preach an amazing sermon and then they would take you to Mother's Day brunch, you are only going to get, at best, 50% of that proposition this morning. I am not Dr. Randy Jenkins. My name is Mike Reinsel, and I have the privilege of leading an organization, I'll say it one last time, that was Rivers of the World. As we have grown up beyond rivers, we have renamed ourselves Mission Hope, which we think more appropriately speaks to who we are going forward of investing in remote, isolated communities helping empower them to move from extreme poverty to sustainability, and in that long relational journey, having the privilege of leading them to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Matt Emmons was an extraordinary marksman. He was on the 2004 Olympic rifle team. He had won one gold medal. He was in the finals of the individual rifle competition. He was down to his last of 10 bullets, and he had such an amazing lead that the only way that he wasn't going to win the gold medal this morning, or that, that day, was to miss the target. And so he got down in his crouched position. He looked down the lane. He sighted his rifle in. He looked up around. He looked down the lane again. He sighted his rifle in. He squeezed that trigger back. The bullet left his rifle. And within a second, he had pierced dead center of the bullseye. He got up elated knowing that he had won the gold medal. And as he jumped up, he started to look around. And the judges were gathering around, talking among themselves. They started to point down the lane. They started to point over at Matt Emmons. And what Matt quickly realized is he had fired at the wrong target. 
That doesn't happen very often, but they call that crossfire where a rifleman fires across his lane into the target of the next lane over. And so instead of getting the gold medal that day, Matt Emmons finished in eighth place. You see, church, it doesn't matter how great we are at what we do. It doesn't matter how prepared we are, how much we practice, how much we've rehearsed. If we're firing at the wrong target, we're guaranteed to miss. And so I think Paul has some very convicting statements And then one promise in the scripture that I read this morning. If you have your Bibles, open back up to that and follow along with me. In chapter 5 and verse 13, here's the first of the four statements. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, we are well-blessed people. We have freedom from our sins through Christ and Christ's sacrifice for us. We are extremely blessed people. And what Paul is saying, in a society in which everything is me-centric, in which the world tells us the more we acquire and accomplish, the better and more successful we are, Paul is saying, don't use your resources to indulge the flesh. Second statement he makes, serve one another humbly in love. Pretty self-explanatory. Third statement, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second half when the disciples asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is. The children sang about it this morning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Fourth statement he makes in verse 9 of chapter 6. Let us not become weary of doing good. And then the promise. He says we will. Not we could. Not we might. Not it possibly could happen. But we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up. And so this church has been invested with Roe and with now Mission Hope for many, many years. You have partnered with us. You've invested in us. You've prayed with us. You've gone with us. You have been a part of going into the most remote places on earth and bringing hope and the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we look at extreme material poverty, that church is a very very difficult topic today. Not only here in Huntsville, not only around the country, but around the world. It's a very challenging topic. A lot of people have different opinions of it. A lot of people think we ought to focus here and not there. Some people think we ought to focus there and not here. I believe it's a both-and proposition that when Jesus said we should share the gospel, it was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It wasn't a both. It's a both-and, not an either-or proposition. But poverty today is very challenging. I had to look up some statistics that I want to share with you this morning just to give you a sense of what global poverty looks like. Half of the world's population, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. And half of those people are children. More than 1.3 billion live in extreme poverty. That's less than $1.25 U.S. per day. 22,000 children die each day due to poverty-related issues like unsafe, unhealthy drinking water, food security issues, um, 
educational opportunities that are underdeveloped and so forth. The list goes on and on. 750 million people lack adequate access to clean, safe drinking water. Preventable diseases take the lives of 2 million children a year who are too poor to afford basic vaccinations like measles, mumps, rubella, vaccinations. A quarter of all people in the world live without electricity. That's about 1.6 billion people. And 80% of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day. That's the price of two skinny mocha lattes at Starbucks. So it's a pretty big problem. It's a lot bigger than all of us. It's a broad problem. It's a deep problem. And it's easy to look at all of that and get overwhelmed and think, what can I do about that? But all of that today is in front of us more than ever before because of the news media and social media. We can get on whatever our devices are and we can see the world's poverty and we can see our local poverty right here in the palm of our hand. And when we see that choir, we get overwhelmed because it's big, it's broad, it's deep. And we think, what in the world can Mike or Randy do about it? And so, because it's so big and because it's so deep, a lot of us do nothing. We become paralyzed. But what if, what if we did, as a pastor friend of mine says, and we did for one what we wish we could do for everyone? Let me say that again. What if we did for one what we wish we could do for everyone? Now, I know there's probably some people out there that think that that's not fair. How could I do for this one and not for that one? That's not really fair. And your kids would come to you and say, hey, mom, could I have this? And you say, well, no, I'm not going to do that because if I did it for you, what? I'd have to do it for your brothers and sisters. And so in the interest of fairness, we often become paralyzed and do nothing at all. And so Mission Hope, I think has redefined what our target is. We know clearly today that we are working, our bullseye is the intersection of people in remote, isolated communities, people in extreme material poverty, and people who are distant from the heart of God and Jesus Christ. And so everything that we do going forward as we have staff meetings, as we have strategy meetings, as we meet with the board, as we talk about what we're doing as a ministry, everything is focused on that bullseye and everything is steering toward hitting that target and so what does that have to do with you as you think about your just one maybe it's just one life one family one village one problem whatever the just one that maybe God is tickling your heart with this morning as you think of that just one I want you to think of four things, and then I'm going to tell you about my friend Mitch. The first is go deep, not wide. Now, it's a whole lot easier for us to go do a little project over here, scratch the surface over there, do this thing over here, and think that we're making great progress in the transformation of that life and that community. But the reality is, when we go deeper, there is more transformation that takes place. 
If there's folks that are part of the session that are part of the mission committee, there's a couple of great books when helping hurts, toxic charity, walking with the poor, books that tell us that when we go deeper and invest in a deeper way in communities instead of scratching the surface, we can actually be part of the solution. So go deep, not wide. The second one is go long, not short. Go long, not short. Now, our inclination as Westerners, I know because I'm one of them, is we want to go in, we want to identify the problem, create the solution, implement the solution, measure the results, move on to the next problem, and we want to do all of that in a one-week mission trip. It doesn't work that way. And so if we don't have the discipline to go long instead of just these quick, short pops, we don't have transformational impact in the lives of the people we serve. Third one is go time, not just money. Go time, not just money. Now, don't hear me wrong. The church needs your money. Organizations like Mission Hope need your money. But we also need you to be giving your time because when you go and invest your time into a mission field, whether it's here in Huntsville, around the country, or around the world, I promise you not only will you be transforming the lives that you go to serve, but you will be transformed as you go to serve. So give time, not just money. And the fourth one, go difficult, not easy. When we go into the difficult places in people's lives and we really dig into those lives and we take the long journey and the deep journey, God uses us to help transform those lives. I met my friend Mitch 25 years ago. We were both getting into business at the same time. And while I was pretty organized and detail-oriented and strategic, Mitch was one of these kind of fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants, loose-cannon-anything-goes personality. I mean, he was disheveled from head to toe. His clothes were always wrinkled. I remember he drove this old, beat-up, powder-blue pickup truck. I mean, he was a mess. He was not the kind of guy that you would want your daughters to bring home to meet the parents. He was that guy. In fact, Mitch was so bad that he was what my southern granny would have called a red-hot mess. That was Mitch. But everybody loved Mitch. He was the life of the party. He was fun to be around. And so Mitch and I became fast friends. Well, we both started in the flooring business at the same time. And while mine grew really quickly and really well, his always kind of meandered around in mediocrity. It never grew much. It never built up much. It never made much money. And so every now and then, Mitch would call me up and he would say, Hey, Mike, yeah, your, your business is growing, it's thriving. Um, would you grab lunch with me and kind of share some of what you're doing? And maybe my business could grow like your business is growing. And I would graciously meet him for lunch and we would meet for an hour. And in typical fashion, Mitch would do most of the talking. For about 54 minutes, he would do all of the talking in the last three or four minutes as he was pushing the bill over to me to pay. He would, uh, he would ask me a couple of questions, and as we headed out the door, he would listen a little bit. But Mitch was just that guy. He was that red, hot mess. In 2008, the Great Recession hit this country. The housing market crashed in Atlanta, where I live, Housing permits went from about 60,000 down to 6,000 almost overnight. It was devastating for anyone who was in a construction-related business. Well, about 10.30 one night, I got a phone call, 
And I could tell that the man on the other end of the line was distraught and discouraged. I could tell he had been crying. And my friend Mitch said to me, Mike, would you meet me at my warehouse? I've just got to talk to somebody. And so I got up at 5.30 the next morning, and I drove to Greensboro, Georgia. And for three hours, I sat in my friend Mitch's warehouse, and I heard him unpack his life. He talked about his wife and how he had been unfaithful and how his marriage was right at the edge of divorce. And he cried as he thought through the different things that he had done to compromise that relationship. He talked about his daughters. He's got three daughters. And he talked about how he had been a terrible father to them, how he had been a poor role model. He hadn't invested in their lives. He hadn't really been at their different events at school and sports and so forth. He had been a terrible father. And then he started to talk about his business. And he told me how that was unraveling and how he was this close to declaring bankruptcy. And through tears, at the end of about three hours of him sharing all that was going on in life, he asked me the question I had been waiting years to hear. He said, Mike, how come in the midst of all the challenges that you and I are facing, and we both have the same environment, the same challenges, you seem to be okay, and I'm a mess of a man. And I said, well, Mitch, I don't know the answer to that for sure. But what I do know is 20 years ago as an adult, I gave my life to Jesus. And Jesus didn't give me all the answers to manage through this, but Jesus gave me a foundation to walk through all of this. And after three and a half hours of being with Mitch that morning, I got to take his hands and pray with him to begin a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, church, i got to confess that I left his warehouse that morning not knowing whether that prayer was genuine or whether he was just praying that prayer to get me out of his warehouse and out of his life that morning. And I further confess that for several years, I kind of lost track of Mitch. He would bubble up every now and then. He would call me or we would grab lunch and he would talk to me about what was going on in life. And I began to see transformation taking place. First, he talked about going to church. And then that became a regular practice. And then he talked about a men's group that he had gotten into and how they were helping him develop a regular prayer habit that it started as five minutes, built to 15, and now he was praying and in God's Word for 30 minutes. And I began to see the transformation that Mitch was having in his life. A couple of years ago, he called me up and he said, Mike, i got to celebrate something with you over lunch. I said, Mitch, I'm all about celebrations. And so we sat across the table at lunch. And he looked me in the eye and he said, Mike, my life is still a mess. I just finalized my divorce. I just finalized my bankruptcy. But everything's okay. And I wanted you to know that because you were courageous enough to lead me to the heart of Jesus, I am walking through the challenges of life with the foundation that you talked about several years back in my warehouse. I put my arms around Mitch. I hugged his neck. We prayed together. We laughed. We had fun. And as we were walking out the door, I said, Mitch, I love you, man. Is there anything that I can do to help 
He said, well, actually there is. I'm, I'm in pretty tough financial straits right now. Um, is there any way you could give us a room, give me a room at your house for a few months so I get back on my feet? Well, my wife, Christina, is a gracious person. I called her up. She emptied the guest room. She got it all ready for Mitch. And for about four months, Mitch moved into our house. And during those four months, I got to see extraordinary transformation that God had been working through those years, drawing him to his heart. And Mitch was a different person. Four months after living with us, my wife's in real estate. She helped him get his own place, get moved out. She helped him decorate. And two weeks to the day after Mitch moved into his own place, I got a call from his ex-wife. The call that none of us wants to get. She said, Mike, Mitch was driving texting while driving at 70 miles an hour, drove underneath the truck on 285, and was killed instantly. Church, I can't tell you how sad I was to get that news. And I went to the funeral four days later, thinking that I was going to a very sad funeral. But what we went to was a revival what we went to was a celebration of a transformed life as literally seven different people got up in that celebration of Mitch's life and shared how he had invested to them and led them to the heart of Jesus. A guy that worked for him said every day Mitch would sit there at his desk and read the Bible and pray and that inspired me to start to dig in and I now embrace a relationship with Jesus. Each of his three daughters courageously got up and talked about how their father had invested in their lives and how he had led them to the heart of Jesus. And one after another got up and celebrated the spirit of transformation in their lives. <coughs> now, why do I spend eight or ten minutes on Mother's Day morning talking about that? Because I think that when we are willing to go wide, instead of narrow, when we're willing to go deep instead of shallow, when we're willing to invest our time and not just money, when we're willing to go into the difficult places in people's lives, that God will use you and God will use me to transform lives around me. Now, the rest of that story, three or four weeks ago, I was in worship with my wife. We go to a big church in Atlanta and we were sitting there, and in through the side door come Mitch's ex-wife and his three daughters and sat down. I rushed over to hug their necks and say hi. And we just celebrated the fact that they were there that morning because Mitch had invested in them, led them to the heart of Jesus, and Mitch was able to do that because I had invested in him over many, many, many years. So... My invitation to you this morning is to think of that just one. Maybe it's just one life. Maybe it's just one family. Maybe it's a community around you. Maybe it's a problem. I don't know what the just one is. But invest deeply. Invest your time. Invest over a long, long period of time. And I promise that God will use you the same way he used me in Mitch's life to lead those people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Hey God, 
I thank you for this church, for the extraordinary ways that they have invested in your people and in your kingdom through the years here around Huntsville, around the country, around the world. I thank you for Randy and his leadership and for the ways that the staff and the people within this church are empowered to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I pray that you would continue to give us courage where we lack it, grace where we need it, wisdom where we don't have it, and that you would use the boldness and the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives to reach into a world that is desperate for a relationship with you, and that one day we would sit in heaven, toe-to-toe with Jesus on that judgment day, and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, and all God's people said in one voice, amen. Thank <laughs> you.